This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to mclanahanacademy.com, enroll today, and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 537. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch the podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. Get that free class when you do enroll. 10 Myths of American History. Be on the lookout for deals. We're here in the last week of October. Deals are the name of the season, right, when we get to November. So be on the lookout for that. If you're on my email list, you'll get those, and you should be buying McClanahan Academy classes to support the show because you get great content when you do that. You can also support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com. Click on that support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on, help keep the podcast going. Get a book plate there if you want want my autograph of one of my books. I've got many books you can purchase, amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. They've got all my books, so you can get those too. Also, you can throw a few pennies my way at anchor.fm if you want to do that. You can go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, learntruehistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. Lots of great ways to support the show. Click on that shop tab, get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff at brianmcclanahan.com. And, of course, as always, share the podcast around on social media. Rate it where you get your podcasts. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. And we're going to wrap up the week this week with a discussion of a lawsuit that's now being presented in federal court. The There are groups in Oklahoma that are suing the state of Oklahoma. Now, I want to cover this. Because this is where Think Locally, Act Locally runs into roadblocks. So we have to be a realist about these things. Understand that when you go out and you start engaging in school board meetings, well, you've got the FBI calling you domestic terrorists now, and they're going to investigate. Or if you start getting involved in other types of things that involve local action, be aware that the... Uh, that the Activists on the other side, which we talked about yesterday, the progressive activists, are going to use the courts. And that's really the only way they can win. Most of what's happened on our social changes in America haven't been through voting. They've been through court decisions. It hasn't been because people wanted it. it. hasn't been because people thought this was a good idea. It's only happened because a court said it had to happen. It's the threat, the fear of a lawsuit that drives people to do things that the woke agenda wants. 
So this is where we are. It's not really democracy that these people on the left want. They want authoritarian courts. It's clear. This is how they win. This is why they get so upset if the Supreme Court is controlled by conservatives, because at the end of the day, they think they can't win anymore. It's clear this is what they want. So don't be surprised when more of these things happen. So I'm going to talk about this particular piece. It's in the USA Today. Is banning critical race theory in schools unconstitutional? Lawsuit in Oklahoma seeks to prove it. Now, from the beginning, what we're looking at here, and this gets into it, is a incorporationist view of the Constitution. It is incorporationist nonsense. And I've told people from the beginning about incorporation. You live by incorporation, you die by incorporation. For those of you running around saying, well, we got to incorporate the Second Amendment because we don't, I mean, you got to have it. That's my federal right to keep bare arms. Well, if you do that, you're going to lose because ultimately the only thing you're going to get out of it is open carry in your town, maybe, and uh, maybe, I say, because I, I don't know if that's going to be absolute, and you're going to get all of this nonsense shoved down your throat, too. See, incorporation works better for the left than it does for the right. Always will. It works better for people that want authoritarian-type government than it does for people that don't. This is why when Madison presented an incorporation amendment in the Bill of Rights, it was soundly rejected. The founding generation didn't even want incorporation because we had a federal republic, and that was going to be heavy-handed, centralized totalitarianism. One state or a group of states controlling the rest. They didn't want it. They wanted to have the ability to control their own states, their own culture. This is what they wanted. The states are supreme in this. A federal judge should look at this and throw it out and say this is not even under the purview of the federal government. Now, of course, where they're going with it is that the ban on critical race theory violates the First and Fourteenth Amendments. Lo and behold, Fourteenth Amendment. There's the big monster, the big progressive monster that some libertarians and some conservatives run around championing. It's stupid. It's going to destroy you. The Fourteenth Amendment was never legally ratified. It's a disaster of an amendment. And it's been interpreted in ways it should never be interpreted. As Raoul Berger has pointed out in Government by Judiciary. So let me read the piece and I'll stop when I need to. A lawsuit filed Tuesday is challenging Oklahoma's law against school discussions of racism and sexism. The first federal suit to allege that a conservative state's so-called critical race theory ban is inherently unconstitutional. Now here's the thing. Show me in the federal government, in the Constitution, I should say, the federal Constitution, where education is under the purview of the federal government. The states control education. They control everything about it. They control how it's funded, where it's funded. They control curriculum. They control how people are hired. They control all of it. Now, we know that there have been challenges to different parts of that, and of course, this is goes back essentially to Brown v. Board of Education. And so what you're going to get, and what, from what I understand in law schools, you're told. Because the left knows that the legal basis of Brown v. Board of Education is pretty thin. I mean, there's really not much there. So they have to tell students, figure out how we can say Brown v. Board of Education is constitutional. 
Figure out how, how that decision fits with the Constitution. And it, it's not popular to say it wasn't, but we know it was a moral, not a political, not an immoral, political, not a legal decision. It wasn't a legal decision. Because if it was, if the 14th Amendment was really designed to end school segregation, then it would have been ended in Washington, D.C. when the amendment was ratified. And guess what? School segregation in Washington, D.C. didn't end then. So we know that the 14th Amendment didn't do any of this. We know that wasn't the aim of the 14th Amendment. But yet somehow it became the aim of the 14th Amendment because a bunch of political activists on the bench decided it was going to be that way. Again, the only time the left, the political activists get their way is when they use the courts to do it. So this is what they're doing here. Kind of in a different way now. I mean, it's still we're still talking about race. But in this way, in Brown v. Board of Education, it was to give equal access to all races and not have any racial treatment in schools. Now, what the state of Oklahoma has done is said, okay, if that's going to be the case, we can't teach critical race theory because that's teaching people that certain people are bad people based on race. And we're not going to do that. Last summer, Oklahoma became the second state to pass such a law. Idaho was the first such state. Another half dozen states have since followed. The laws were passed ostensibly to eliminate instruction about critical race theory, an obscure legal concept about the ongoing impacts of slavery and racism in the U.S. that's rarely taught in K-12 schools. But the laws almost never mention the theory, and teachers say the new laws limit important lessons on history and current events. Now a complaint filed in federal court by the American Civil Liberties Union and the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law alleges the restrictions in Oklahoma violate students' and educators' rights under the First Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment. The state's law, the lawsuit says, has, a, has had a chilling effect on the terminology and lesson plans teachers incorporate into their in- instruction. Content that helps to ensure historically marginalized students have an equitable education. So, I mean, how? <laughs> so, because they can't talk about, essentially, white people are the devils of the world... This is what critical race theory gets into. I mean, that's, that's what it... And I, look, I've seen students come through in my classes with this kind of notion that Europeans are the scourge of the planet, that they've done everything wrong, there's been nothing good about them, and the only good people have been minorities, in Amer- and, and not just American history, but world history. So because they can't teach that, that somehow harms minority groups? How? How does that harm minority groups? How is that... Harm, how does that not give them an equitable education? Are they still getting the same education? Is it still equal? Are they still getting equal instruction? Of course. This is a flimsy lawsuit, and it's completely unconstitutional based on real federalism. Now, could we make a case that maybe the state should not be getting involved in what teachers teach in the classroom? Sure. Absolutely. I could argue that case, too. That you have to have free and fair and open discussion about these things? That... that Pointing out critical race theory and talking about how stupid it is is actually a pretty good idea. Sure, I think that's, I mean, teachers should be able to do that too. You shouldn't have to teach critical race theory, but I mean, if you want to put your kids to the government indoctrination centers, well, this is what you're going to get, right? The other thing that's interesting, of course, is they're suing Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma has an 11th Amendment ability here. If we actually really follow the original meaning of the 11th Amendment to say, I'm not being sued, I'm not showing up in court. This is an illegal case, and I'm not, I'm not showing up. It won't matter. We're not, gonna, we're not a part. We have state sovereign immunity on this, and this is a violation of the 11th Amendment 
We're not showing up, and your ruling will not matter. Your ruling will not matter. It doesn't matter what you do. The 11th Amendment here is clear. The 10th Amendment is clear. The Republican lawmakers who sponsored the Oklahoma bill touted it as an effort to combat racism and sexism in schools, but the intention and the outcome has been to stifle discussion of those topics, the lawsuit argues. In promoting the bill, its lead authors denounced teaching about concepts such as implicit bias and systemic racism, according to the ACLU. As with its counterparts in other states, the law itself is vague and at times hard to dissect. Educators are prohibited from teaching, for example, that members of one race or sex cannot and should not attempt to treat others without respect to race or sex. Nor can they make an individual feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of physical distress on account of his or her her race or sex. Now, uh, what they're trying to do is eliminate a discussion of race in the classrooms. I mean, if we're in a situation where we want to have a colorblind society, then no group should be punished. I mean, you can talk about slavery. You can talk about race in the past. You can do this and say that, you know, race was an issue for people. Slavery was an issue. Uh, and not really violate the law. People who are subject to the law have no way of knowing what's prohibited and what's not, says Emerson Sykes, staff attorney with the ACLU, Speech, Privacy, and Technology Project. That's a due process problem, he said. The vagueness also opens up the door to arbitrary and discriminatory enforcement of it by officials. Now, let, let, me, let me back up here. That's a due process problem. Only if you believe in substantive due process. This is where we have a situation in America where we believe due process is before somebody goes into court. Due process simply means that you are provided all of the processes for being deprived of your life, liberty, or property. So if you're arrested for something, you have all the proper processes for de being deprived of those things. Not that the government can't pass these things uh, beforehand, right? That's called substantive due process, not procedural due process. And essentially what the ACLU is arguing here is that this is a violation of substantive due process. That's the same due process that was argued for in Dred Scott. Does the left believe in Dred Scott? I guess they don't. I mean, if I had to think, I mean, they would probably say, I don't believe in Dred Scott. Well, then why are you using the same arguments? Doesn't mean you can't pass laws that deprive people of life, liberty, or property. It just means if they are deprived of life, liberty, or property, they have to go through all the processes. If they're arrested, they got to have a court trial and all, criminal, civil, whatever it is, and they got to go through the process. And you can be deprived of those things. This is what a law does. I mean, you could say every law is a violation of due process in some ways. If you say you can't uh, I mean, take your pick, you can't do something, um, anything, well, that's that theoretically is depriving you of your due process because they're saying you can't do it. This is the whole, this is the stupidity of due process, of substantive due process, I should say. The vagueness also opens up the door to arbitrary and discriminatory enforcement by officials. A lot of these laws are written in such a confusing way as to say essentially don't say anything racist. But the subtext is don't talk about racism. Well, okay. Um, I don't think that people are going to necessarily do that. I think that uh, historians, history teachers, are more than comfortable talking about it, but what they don't want to do is demonize certain groups and make them out to be the bad guy all the time. And what they don't want to do is apply it to when you say things like systemic racism or 
uh, when you have critical race theory training seminars and all these other things. That's where they think it goes overboard. I mean, nobody's going to say that, you know, um, Americans at one time in, in American history had, had racial views that were different than ours today. I mean, that, that's all you got to say. They were different than ours today. They said different things. Uh, and um, we don't agree with them on these things. But look at all the great things they did, too. Easy way around it. Of course, that includes people that uh, Mona would not like, like Robert E. Lee as well. I mean, she, she, she undermined, we talked about this Monday, undermined her whole piece by saying you got to take the entirety and then only take one part of Robert E. Lee's life. In mid-July, Oklahoma's Board of Education passed administrative rules outlining how school districts are to comply with the law. Under the guidance, educators could see their licenses suspended and schools could see their accreditation docked if they teach any of the banned concepts. Parents and private citizens can file reports against teachers they believe are violating the law. The impact has been swift. Some districts have prohibited teachers from using terms including diversity and white privilege. Oh my gosh. Well, aren't those loaded terms? What does diversity really mean anyways? That's a 90s term that always was not really about diversity. It was about power. Because they really don't want real diversity. What they want is the enforcement of their world. This is, diversity is cultural Marxism. All cultures are the same. You can't say anything, any, any civilization, anything was better. Uh, and within that, it, I'm allowed to tear down something that's white privilege or white supremacy or whatever it is, but you can't take down mine monument because that would be, again, white supremacy or white privilege or whatever it is. So see, it's not really about diversity. It's, it's not about inclusion. It's about uh, power. This is what it's always been about. While a number of schools have scaled back or altogether eliminated diversity, equity, and inclusion staff trainings or initiatives. Yeah, see, that term equity is also problematic. That's a very um, very uh, 21st century term, problematic. It used to be disturbing. Now it's problematic. Uh, but when you have equity training, what does that really mean? It's no longer equality. Well, everybody's going to get the same thing. It's well, we got to have these people have a little extra. These people have a little less because of white privilege or whatever. See, that's the thing. Critical race theory in its heart is actually a racist ideology. It's a victim ideology. This is why people are against it. Most Americans are against it. Most Americans don't like this. They don't want to have their kids taught that they're bad just because of their skin color. That's exactly what was happening in the 1950s. They don't want to have it taught now in the 2021 that it's the reverse. So what we've done is gone 180 degrees the other way. And they don't want it taught. They don't want it. And I don't blame them. One of the plaintiffs, teacher Reagan Kilaki, was told to avoid incorporating certain race-related concepts, phrases, and books in, her, in his curriculum. He no longer engages his students in conversations about race and gender, according to a lawsuit. Oh, my gosh. It's inevitable that there is some amount of discomfort in learning about difficult things, Sykes said. Students of color, he noted, feel bad about themselves when they don't see their own communities and narratives reflected in what they're learning. Okay, this goes back to the 90s. Back in the 90s, there was a push for this diverse telling of American history because it made people feel bad if they didn't see their own reflection in the history. They felt bad about who they were. 
It's about feeling bad. Well, again, so what we've eliminated certain things in textbooks. We've taken things out, incorporated other things that may not be as important, but they're there. And people are taught that uh, what really was traditional in history that was really important is no longer that important. Or we downplayed other individuals. We try to, I mean, Thomas Jefferson is not really that important anymore. He's just a slave owner and uh, a man who uh, had children with a slave, which the first part is true. The second part, tenuous at best. But, I mean, this is where we get to this, right? So this is what happens. People we've never heard of get statues. That I mean, okay. People we've never heard of get names on buildings, but presidents like John Tyler has to be taken off a of community college because he was a slave owner and he sided with the Confederacy. President of the United States is now not worthy. What's really interesting, and I talked about this in a podcast a couple of years ago, Again, we mentioned it, and again, I mentioned it you know, with the piece yesterday by Kotkin. It's Bostonians, it's white liberals who are the most annoyed by this. It's Reagan Kilaki, I'm sure, is a white liberal. They're the ones that are most annoyed by this stuff. And when you look at the polls and who, you know, Midwestern, white Midwestern students are the ones that push um, things like uh, when they ask about who are the most important women if you can't pick a president or a president's wife or they pick people that are all uh of all minorities generally in america well why because this is what they're taught over and over again so clearly uh, it's not going to eliminate that the law puts teachers in an impossible position you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't this is the first federal suit to challenge one of the statewide bans uh, facially. It, that means it alleges Oklahoma's law is unconstitutional as, as it's written, not just how it's being applied. And chances are it won't be the last. Other state laws restricting classroom discussions tend to use language similar to the Oklahoma law. Another lawsuit against one such ban has already been successful, but in that case on procedural grounds. Arizona's ban, whose language is almost identical to Oklahoma's, was tucked into a broader reconciliation bill along with other school-related policy changes. A Maricopa County judge struck down the law in September, ruling that it violated provision of the Arizona Constitution requiring bill titles to reflect what the legislation is actually about. The case now heads to the state Supreme Court. This is a big cultural and historical reckoning that we're dealing with, a society-wide issue that we're working on in lots of different ways, Sykes said. One piece of it is litigation. It's always that. Because, again, people can't get these things. The progressives couldn't get what they wanted through legislatures, so they're going to go to the courts. Plaintiffs in Oklahoma suit include a student, two teachers, the Black Emergency Response Team at the University of Oklahoma, the University of Oklahoma Chapter of the American Association of University Professors, the NAACP of Oklahoma, and the American Indian Movement, Indian Territory. Among the defendants are Oklahoma's governor, attorney general, and superintendent of public instruction. It's par for the course that when something goes against the less liberal activist agenda, groups attempt to come into Oklahoma and challenge our laws and our way of life. But Oklahoma Governor Kevin Sitt Stitt, I'm sorry, stands by his decision to sign HB 1775 and ban teaching our children that one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex, said Carly Atchison, a spokesperson for the governor, in response to the suit. Again, they're suing the state. So the state should say, good luck. We're not going to let you sue us. See ya. 
But see, conservatives on the Supreme Court have narrowly interpreted the 11th Amendment, which doesn't give states a lot of room to do this unless they tried to pull it. Th- this was a big issue uh, back in uh, the case of Cohen's v. Virginia. In fact, it was argued that Virginia shouldn't even show up. And who cares if they sue? What are they going to do? I mean, at the end of the day, what would have to happen here? Uh, If the state is sued and the federal government says, well, I mean, you're violating the Constitution, um, what's going to, I mean, if the state says we're we're safe because of state sovereign immunity, you can't sue us. Now, that becomes a real federal issue, and I wish Oklahoma would have the guts to do it and say, okay, you can sue all you want. We're not showing up, and we're not going to adhere to your to your ruling. It's just over. This issue is over. We're doing what we want. That's essentially what Oklahoma has to do here. What makes Oklahoma's law particularly problematic, according to Sykes, is that it's so far-reaching. The law applies not only to schools, but also to public colleges and universities. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Not those people. The Supreme Court has previously ruled that the First Amendment has special protections for academic freedom and higher education. Burt, one of the plaintiffs, formed in 2019 in response to a string of racist incidents at the University of Oklahoma. The group convinced the university administration to establish a mandatory diversity training course for students. The initiative, which was met with outcry, was set to launch in the fall, but the school dropped the requirement after the implementation of the law, which specifically bans colleges from requiring diversity trainings. So academic freedom in the classroom that doesn't apply to the university in the classroom. Yes, teachers have discuss, have academic freedom. <laughs> they have academic freedom. But academic freedom, uh, I mean, what that actually means, I mean, there's limits to that even too. Uh, uh, and I think there's moral limits to it and other things without question. But again... We believe all students deserve to have a free and open exchange about our history, not one that erases the legacy of discrimination and lived experiences of black and brown people, women and girls, and LGBTQ plus individuals, said Lily Amici, plaintiff and representative for Burt, in a statement. Oklahoma's racial history marked by the events such as the 1889 land run and the 1921 Tulsa massacre also underscores its students' need for honest conversations about such topics, the plaintiffs argue. Surveys suggest most Oklahomans were never taught about the massacre. Okay, so um, that's fine. Teach them about... I mean, is that saying, though? You, you can teach the massacre, but are, do you have to say this is an example of institutional racism and white supremacy or whatever? Okay, you can say that there was this violent uh, race-based riot in 1921. It was awful. Lots of people were killed. Uh, I mean, where are you violating? Where, you're not vi- violating diversity training at all in that way. You're not. And I think this is a bunch of whining over something that they would never get in trouble for. It depends on how you say it, though. Anthony Crawford, a plaintiff in English and creative writing teacher at a predominantly black high school in Oklahoma City, didn't learn about African American history growing up and has sought to incorporate such lessons into his instruction. The law's passage took an emotional toll on both Crawford, who is black, and his students. Knowing black history helps them, empowers them, and encourages them to be better, he said. They're like, okay, now what? What are we going to learn now? (laughs) Can you believe this? What are we going to learn now? I don't know, like history? I mean, 
uh, what are we? I mean, you can learn history, right? So uh, you're, you're telling me that you're only teaching black history? That's it? What's that going to do? Or what if you only teach history from, well, you know, we had George Washington. He was racist and a slaveholder. Wasn't really good about anything else. Jefferson, racist slave owner, wasn't good about anything else. What are you going to do? What have you just done to American society? What are they going to do in order to feel that empowerment? I don't know. I mean, since there's nothing blocking them, there's no laws against their empowerment now. There's nothing that says you can't be a president of the United States if you're black. We've had an example of that. There's nothing that says you can't be vice president of the United States if you're black. We have that. There's nothing against saying you can't be a Supreme Court justice, a member of Congress and Senate or the House, a secretary of state. Nothing against that. Nothing against you can't, you can't be a CEO of a company. You can't be an entrepreneur. Where is all the stuff out there saying you can't do this if you don't teach, uh, if, if you just teach traditional history or whatever you want to say? Because even in traditional history, you bring in these things. How are they going to figure out who they are, where they came from, what their ancestors did? How can they go on moving forward to improve their lives, their position here in society? I don't know. Maybe by saying, hey, there's some pretty important people. I mean, if you say, I'm going to talk about um, today, uh, let's talk about Booker T. Washington. Would that be illegal? No, it wouldn't. You can talk about people all you want. This is a bunch of whining, you see. It's whining. Let's talk about W.B. Du Bois. We'll just go back to that period. Let's talk about these people. Let's talk about Frederick Douglass. You can talk about these people all day. It's not changing anything. But what you can't do, I guess, in their mind, is you can't say, well, we had a whole bunch of bad people and we only had these good people. And all these people, because of their race, were bad. And all these people, because of their race, were good. You can't do that. What's wrong with that? Because if we flipped it on its head, would people be willing to do that? Of course not. It's wrong. Crawford, who at first thought he'd have to throw out his entire curriculum, considers himself lucky because his superintendent told him not to worry, helping him evaluate his lesson plans and ensure everything tied back to the state's academic standards. The irony, he says, is that the law, at least the way he and many other educators interpret it, contradicts many of those standards. See, what, how they interpret it. How they want to interpret it, it's, it's evil to them. It's going to make them not do things. But I'm sure... That's not really the way the law is designed. So you got a bunch of lefties who are whining. What do they want us to stop doing? What do they want us to do? Crawford said. That's where my confusion became frustration because now I feel, uh, just feel like politicians are trying to eradicate history, to eradicate what happened to black folks in history. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, but that's a curious because... Aren't you on the left trying to eradicate history by taking things down or uh, changing statues, monuments, markers? I mean, aren't you trying to eradicate history? Because, I mean, I know the argument is, well, I'm opening up my history book. It's still there. But public displays of these things where people do get some of their knowledge about the past, I mean, all that's going away. If it doesn't comport with your view, it's not contextualized properly. So where is the issue here? I mean, you're whining about something you're willing to do as well. Oklahoma's law is an unvarnished attempt to silence the experiences and perspectives of black, indigenous, and LGBTQ plus people and other groups who have long faced exclusion and marginalization in our institutions, including our schools, said Genevieve Bonadies Torres, Associate Director of the Educational Opportunities Project 
with the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. <laughs> that's the whole that's the whole group. The Educational Opportunities Project with the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under the Law. Gee. Uh, I mean, that's not kind of Orwellian, is it? Every student in Oklahoma deserves an equitable education that reflects the rich diversity of the state and provides a full fact-based discussion of the state's checkered history of racism, sexism, and discrimination. You see, because this is all about power. If you can make one group seem to be just awful, then there, then you create an environment where the other group is empowered, all right? But empowered in a way that would suppress the other group. If it's equal, then that doesn't ever happen. If we're just saying these things happen, yeah, sure, these things happen. They don't happen now. Not seeing these things now. But what you create is animosity, and you create hatred, and you create these things by teaching the way that I guess Mr. Crawford wants to teach. I don't know. The way, uh, what was the other guy's name? Reagan something or other. I don't remember. Reagan, Reagan, where is Reagan? Reagan Kilaki. The way, the way he wants to teach. I don't think that anybody who wrote this law would have a problem with people saying, you know, we had slavery, and uh, I mean, this is something that we're glad to be rid of, and uh, there were problems with it, absolutely. These are not things that we should, but we don't have that anymore, right? And even though we had, we had I mean, even though Jefferson and others, we could say, yeah, I mean, they were slave owners, but you know what? Uh, they were still great men, and we should still honor them as great men. That would be a good idea. That's all people are trying to say and not say, well, George Washington just should come down because he's a racist slaveholder. Thomas Jefferson, racist slaveholder, and did horrible things to a concubine, so to speak, for his children. I mean, this is this is just stupid stuff. But at the surface, without getting into without doing any more of that, the state should just claim the Eleventh Amendment. They should just refuse to be sued. They should descend us on a Tenth Amendment issue. Education is certainly part of their. I mean, there's no federal. Um, there's nothing in the federal constitution that says the government has control over education. This is how they should approach it. They probably won't, but this is what they should do. This is a Tenth Amendment issue to its core, and this is the problem with incorporation. Everyone should reject incorporation because usually the people that win in that are on the left, not on the right. Not libertarians, none of that. So, anyways. We had a good week, and next week we'll be into November. We only have a few weeks left of the podcast this year. I will say that. We're going to get to a point... Uh, where, well, I'm going to take a little time off getting into November and December. So just a few weeks left this year in the podcast. Uh, so if you got those ideas, send them along, and I'll see you next week on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then. <laughs>